All right, welcome to the Pumping Irony Podcast, episode 007. We've uh, we've reached the um, the milestone. We have to quit after that. You know, we've, we've done it. All right. We've reached 007. <laughs> we can't get any better than this. No, we'll keep going. All right. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm Tim, and with me is Russ. Hi, I'm Russ. And Andrew. Hey. We are three friends living in Columbia, Maryland. Columbia, Maryland, home of the famous Meriwether Post Pavilion. Did yeah. you know it was famous? I mean, yes. So, um, it is, I just did some research on it. Um, Billboard Magazine named it the second best amphitheater in the U.S. And Rolling Stone has it at number four. What's, That's what's the be- pretty good. What's the better one? I don't know. I didn't look. I didn't, I didn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> Wolf Trap's also pretty good. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I have in my hand Jackson Brown's uh, 1977 album *Running on Empty*, which was recorded. It's, it's, a, it's an album of all new material, but it was all recorded live. And uh, three of the songs, including the, the title track, were recorded at Meriwether Post Pavilion on August 27th, 1977. So *Running on Empty* and then the *Loadout* and *Stay*, which are like Jackson Brown like famous songs, but they're all recorded at Meriwether Post Pavilion. Yeah. I've and played that stage. No big deal. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Four graduations. Okay. <laughs> and then another uh, another one of his songs was recorded in Room 301 at the Cross Keys Inn in Columbia, Maryland. Yeah. I'm just saying, me and Jackson Brown on the same level. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Pretty much. And well, then also, um, there's a, an, an indie band out there, originally from Baltimore, but uh, their 2009 album is called Meriwether Post Pavilion. So it is a, it is a really, good, um, really good amphitheater, a really good place to see a concert. Uh, have you ever seen yeah. a concert at Meriwether Post? Have you ever been down there? I've been down there for graduation. Yeah, so graduation. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a concert before. It's a great place for a concert. I've seen many, and I've been to way too many graduations there. <laughs> so have I. I've heard many concerts there because <laughs> I live near it. So. Yeah. I actually, um, I graduated from Howard Community College. We had a graduation at, at the Meriwether Post. Yeah. Long Beach High School. Yep. <laughs> so actually, Meriwether Post um, is going to come in. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Ooh, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing, <laughs> yes. Um, real quick, so we lost another um, musical icon. Um, any reactions to the death of Prince? Any does he? Does music matter one bit to you? Or I mean, were you? I, I never know if you're making people are making a joke when they say musical icon with Prince. Oh no, just because no, no, not, not because of his uh, like. You know, um, oh, because of his symbol. Name? Because of the symbol. Oh, <laughs> nothing to do with his, you know, pedigree as a musician. Because he's so his hands down, you know, amazing. one of the best guitar players of all time. Right. He is a um, musical icon music. in two different ways. Yes, <laughs> for his his yes. seven Grammys and his, you know, over four decades of music, yes. and, and he also, also a literal icon, <laughs> a literal icon of his name. Uh, I put out a little thing on Facebook. You know, I, one of the earliest memories that I remember is um, in 1983. Um, I was I was I was the line holder for Return of the Jedi, so I was the one that was there early, and uh, I went with a friend, and he had like a little Walkman. This is 1983, so, um, but he had like a couple Prince songs, and one of yep. them was Little Red Corvette. So I just remember sitting there and waiting for Return of the Jedi to start while I was right. in line, listening to Little Red Corvette over and over and over again. So his, I mean, that's 1983. That's a long time ago. And so I, I remember getting dragged to um, Purple Rain by a college roommate and, okay. and thoroughly enjoying it. I didn't yeah. want to go, but it's like, yeah, this is great. you know. So yeah, so, yeah I mean, 57 is so, they are, they are certainly, I mean, we all die eventually, but mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of sad to when you, uh, when, when someone who, you know, his music has, ex- has influenced so many different people and has been around forever and, 
you know, nothing lasts forever in this world, and it's kind of a, a sober reminder of that. But yeah, another another musical legend is gone. <laughs> so there you go. All right, so we're gonna get into it, and um, we're gonna go this week with Russ is gonna start us off with his like. All right, my like is uh, a recent movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it, The General. The General. It's a 1927 movie. Oh, okay. oh so, so super recent. Recent in human history terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a silent. It's a silent film that uh, I really love, and the reason I'm I'm talking about it now is my family's going to go see it on Saturday at uh, the AFI Silver okay. um, like theater. theater with a full orchestra doing the oh, uh, nice. doing the the music oh, that for it. Really so cool. So it just reminded me how great a film it is, and uh, I told my kids. Hey, remember that movie, The General? You're like, yeah, that was great. I'm like, we're gonna go see it with an orchestra. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So what orchestra is, is performing? It's the Columbia Orchestra. So, some, people I, from I around here, from around like here, Columbia, yeah. Maryland. Columbia, okay. Maryland. So, I I wasn't aware of it beforehand, but, uh, but yeah. So, we're all about Columbia cool. this week. Yeah. So, I don't know if you guys have seen seen it. It's uh, it's a, actually a fantastic movie. It's Buster Keaton. Okay. Who I actually prefer over Charlie Chaplin because Buster Keaton is like. This guy, kind of from another era, like he's kind of like if one of us modern people went back into a silent film, he doesn't overact like mm-hmm. you know, like Charlie Chaplin sometimes did, or you know, the emoting, the emoting. Yes, <clears throat> Buster Keaton's more like, well, all right, this is weird. I'm in this situation. I'm just going <laughs> to continue going as, as. So I kind of I really relate to him, and so he plays. It it happens during the Civil War, and he plays a, uh, a locomotive engineer who wants to. He's interested in this girl who tells him, come back when you're in uniform, and he tries to go enlist, and he's Southern, um, and gets rejected, Mm. because he would be a better engineer for the Army than, I mean, you know, to run trains and all that stuff, but they don't tell him that, he just thinks he doesn't, he's not up to snuff. So anyway, you fast forward a few years, or a few months, and he is running a locomotive called The General, that's why it's, the movie's called The General. And uh, the the general gets stolen by the Union Army. A chase ensues. A chase between two trains, which oh. you think wouldn't work because they're on one track, but there are so many twists and turns and unexpected stuff that leads to all these comedic, um, you know, setups. And it's just it's just beautiful and fantastic. And Buster Keaton did all his own stunts. Mm. Um, there's there's one one scene that I remember where he's actually on the cow catcher of his train and there's the train in front of him. The union army is throwing railroad ties onto the train, trying to derail the train he's on. And he's got a giant um, railroad tie that he's throwing down to flip up the ones off the track. <laughs> and this is all done, you know, for real wow. live. And he's doing his own stunts. It's like, how dangerous is this really, you know, wow. really amazing. So, it's it's really a great film. It's uh, and a chasing between two trains that you know. There's a there's one point where all of a sudden cars that were behind him are in front of him, and it totally makes sense. But he's like, what the heck? <laughs> there's a whole uh, uh, battle that happens that he's not even aware of because he's busy doing something on the train, and but the camera sees this <laughs> battle behind him, and it's this massive, ret- you know, southern retreat and Union advance and and all this stuff. So. It's uh, it's just a great, great film. You really, you really need to go see it, and I'm looking forward to seeing it with an orchestra. So. Well, unfortunately, all the knowledge I have of silent films comes from the movie Three Amigos. So, how right. long is a how long is a silent movie like from that era? 
Uh, they're I mean, usually pretty short. This one's like 76 minutes. Okay. So, um, so you know, it's like a short feature-length film this, you know, um, mm-hmm. of this time, of today's time. But uh, but it's it's every, you know, chase film genre thing that you'd want to see. And it's... Uh, and it's funny the whole the whole way just because Buster Keaton okay. is not reacting. He's he's just doing his thing and all these things are happening to him. So Now did Buster Keaton uh, move into the talkies? I he did, but not did, not well. Okay. Yeah, he was uh I guess he was um you know, he didn't make the transition that mm-hmm. well. I, I read that there is there's like a nineteen sixty something film that he was in that was actually pretty good and then he died the next the next year, but he got a, like a lifetime achievement oh, okay. award at the Oscars right before he died. So, so he's a well, he's a good actor. I guess so. I have seen the artist. That's about silent movies. Oh, there so you go. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, about where most of my knowledge yeah. comes from. <laughs> have you not seen Three Amigos? Nope. Well, oh my gosh! Check out the general. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. It used to be, and uh, it's, and, it's, and check it's out Three well Amigos worth, also. It's well Three Amigos is fun too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have it. If you want to borrow it, <laughs> I'll take it as we leave. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, silent silent films. I've I've never seen a silent film. So when you first saw it, did you see it on video or do you see it in the theater? <clears throat> I saw it on yeah on DVD. And, okay, and so they had a soundtrack, you know, okay. that they I mean a a music soundtrack right. that they put a in. Live art orchestra yeah. didn't come to your house. Yeah, it's, <laughs> unfortunately, that's <laughs> in the special edition. <laughs> he didn't buy the special edition of the DVD. Wow, that so, sounds that sounds exciting. I've never been to the AFI Silver either, which I heard is an it's amazing. Cool it's a cool theater. Yeah. Saw uh, Hateful Eight down there, and I've seen uh, the first time I uh, saw What We Do in the Shadows was at the. Oh, okay. for... I saw the artist there, so. Oh, okay. Oh, and that was like oh, yeah. a perfect thing to that. see I there. Think I saw that there no one's inviting me to this place. Well, great. So uh, you'll have to let us know <clears throat> post um, viewing how it was with the orchestra. Was... I'm pretty sure it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. Um, I've always wanted to see. Um, like an orchestra um, perform mm-hmm. with like um, who's coming, who's performing with an orchestra soon or oh, the lone uh, bellows, bellows which I would be BSO or whatever but it's yeah. super expensive I know I know <laughs> but that'd be kind of cool um, all right so that's that's Russell's like my like is um, I'm going to highlight a couple um, new music releases I'm all about the music so I keep bringing new music and um, every other time it seems like uh, but these are a couple new releases. Um, they both came out April 8th, so not uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, the first one is by this guy named Gallant. Um, he's actually, his real name is Christopher Gallant, um, but he goes by his this was by his last name for the stage. And um, his album is called Ology, and it's getting a lot of buzz. Uh, Relevant Magazine has been like all over it. They put them in one of the uh, mu- a spotlight on their new um, music episode, uh, issue that came out in sort of March and April. So they've been playing his music on the on the Relevant um, Magazine podcast. I first got his um, his lead single uh, from a new album called Weight in Gold. It came out I, I got it free I think from Apple back in September of last year. Um, but the cool thing about Christopher Gallant is that he is um, grew up in Columbia, Maryland. Oh. He uh, he was born in, he was born in Washington D.C. What? So I've heard of Columbia, Maryland. <laughs> you have, yes. Okay. Uh, so we're all about Columbia this, today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he uh, in, 
in, in, when elementary school, he's like I said, born in D.C. Elementary school, his parents moved up here somewhere close because he went to Atherton High School, um, and uh, and was in the choir and um, and he's talked a lot about and I've read a lot of interviews how how much he loves. Uh, how much he loved growing up in Columbia with mm-hmm. all the trails and the and the and the lakes and you know doing snowball fights with his friends and riding around the cul-de-sacs on his bike. All the civility. Um, yeah, all the civility. Um, <laughs> but then he uh, he graduated high school and then went up and and went to <coughs> NYU um, and uh, and went there and then she tried to make it in the in the music business in, in New York but just was not mm-hmm. finding much success. And so he then he moved out um, to California, and, and now he's he's based in in L.A. Um, but he is he's like an an R and B singer, but he just has so many different influences in his music, so it's kind of hard to to label it. But I would say I've heard it's called like alternative R and B, whatever that means. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just R and B with a with a whole lot of different in, influences. I would say his his singing style, what he's probably known for, is he's got this incredible. Um, falsetto that that he can like hit those high notes and it's just it's just amazing uh, one journalist i read called it um when he hits those notes you get like this full body shiver when you're listening to him because um, it's just incredible i will play um, i'm gonna play a little bit of his um of waiting gold There's a little taste of it, and he's doing. That's him singing all those different parts, oh, okay. you know, in the studio. So that's him. Cool. All those the backgrounds and the, and the lead vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I I just been when I got that um, that that single, and then he's he released a couple other singles. He um, they appear on this album, but this one song called "Skipping Stones" and is with this other R&B artist, this female called Jenny. Let me make sure I pronounce her. Her name right, Jenna Aiko, J H E N E A I K O. Um, sure, but that's a it's a really it's a really good song. I, so that was like kind of a lead single that that was that dropped before the album, um, and so his voice and her voice sound really good together. He's also uh, got a couple um, videos on YouTube. He has this like the series. There's only there's been two episodes so far. It's called In the Room, and the, it's like these these live performances of um, in a, in a studio. Um, the first one is is uh, he covers um, this song by Sufjan Stevens called "Blue Buckets of Gold," which is the last song on Sufjan Stevens' last uh, last liturgy release, which is an excellent Carrie and Lowell. Um, but the cool thing about it is 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 there's Christopher Gallant singing, and then Sufjan Stevens is on piano um, backing him up and doing doing background vocals. So it's a it's a really beautiful song, and they just kind of strip it down, and um, and then. He he does an, a version of of a single waiting gold, 
um, but he brings in Seal into the studio mm-hmm. with him, and so they're kind of going back and forth. And and um, and what, from what I've read is Gallant, he's a he's a very introverted person, and then to be, to be there next to Seal, he was really like almost in, <laughs> um, kind of intimidated by this, you know, this this. Um, one of his kind of a, his idols there, mm-hmm. um, but they sound really good. Maybe we'll we'll put some links. I'll I'll put them on the Facebook page after this this episode comes out, and then you guys can watch them. Um, but they're really good. So hopefully he'll make more of these um, of these in the room um, episodes on and it releases on YouTube. And then the the singles have also been released um, through Apple and iTunes, and you can download them from Apple Music. Um, now, Mind of a Genius, that's the label he's on. Um, so his new album is called Ology. So I. Hopefully you guys can check it out. I, if, if that's your, you know, your cup of tea, I, my musical tastes are, are getting more eclectic as I as I get older. So R and B, because the next one I want to talk about is totally different. It's more of an of, a, of an indie folk band called the Lumineers, um, and their album, their second album, um, Cleopatra, just came out on April eighth. Also, um, we are going to go see them, Andrew and I, at Meriwether Post Pavilion in September. So that we're seeing them. We. Yeah, I don't think I knew that. September 10th. It's I knew I knew that. I just don't know that I knew where we were going. Yeah, yeah. So that's Mary cool. That makes post. it easier for you. That's <laughs> easy commute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so this is, I I, um, I helped make their, um, oh, I'm going to talk about that. I helped, <laughs> through Pledge Music, they they were, I, I helped make this new album, which is kind of cool. And um, and for that, I I, um, I got this, uh, the, the new album on vinyl, which, and it's a really nice, it's like the deluxe version on vinyl, and it's got like this cool, like cutout um, there, and it actually has a, talking about silent movies, a I was silent say, it movie looks star. like a silent movie. <laughs> that is, um, here's my notes. Is that Clara Bow or something? Uh, it's, um... Theta Berra. Oh, Theta Berra. From the 1917 movie Cleopatra. Yeah. Um, and so it's got a really nice cutout. And then the um, the vinyl is is this really cool. It's like colored. It's like slate gray Whoa. Um, vinyl. That's so awesome. it's a really, I mean, as far as like packaging goes, they do a really good job. Of, totally of, I wish you guys inside. could see this. Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't, check it out. Check out the vinyl of, of Lumineers. Um, it's double vinyl. And uh, have you had a chance to hear it? I know you like it. Yeah, I've listened to the album a few times. I like yeah, it. It's really good. Oh. Um, they haven't strayed too far from their formula. It's uh, The Lumineers are like a three-piece band. It's Wesley Schultz. He sings and plays guitars. And um, Jeremiah Freights is the drummer. And then the the um, the cellist, they have a cellist, N- Nayla um, Pekarik. She's on cello and vocals. And they, they found her by, by a, a Craigslist ad. Um they were they were I think based on the East Coast and then they kind of moved out to Denver Colorado mm-hmm. and and and, um, and trying to make it out there um, and then they just put Craigslist as they're looking for a cellist and she she uh, she responded and and so they're uh, they're a really good live band um, their music is very uplifting I mean you especially seeing them live you just can't help but have a smile on your face the whole time yeah I had a blast when I saw them yeah I saw them up at um in Baltimore at um, Ramshead Live. The first time I saw them, uh, yeah. So they're, I think their music is very positive. Um, they sound really good. Like I said, they, they their voices really meld together well, and um, and uh, and so check out their second album. It's called Cleopatra, um, and that is the Lumineers. So that is my like for the night. Gallant and the Lumineers. Check them out. Cool. So now we're gonna All go right. to Andrew. I'm up. Uh, I have a. Uh, a new favorite TV show. All right. Um, and it was not one that I was expecting to like because I watched the pilot 
three years ago, and it was atrociously bad. <laughs> and I thought, all right, well, we're just never watching this show again. It's clearly not made for me. Um, but the show is The 100. It's on the CW, and it has, over the last couple weeks, become hands down one of my favorite shows um, that's currently airing. I have no idea how this show is this good. Um, like I said, the, the pilot is very bad. Mm. Um, watched it right after um, it premiered. And thought, oh, this just is not a show for me. Um, so I'm never going to watch it again. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the end of like last season of TV, I saw it start to you know pop up on like a lot of you know best show you're not watching list. I'm like, those critics are dumb. I watched because <laughs> I watched it and it was bad. And then uh, leading up to its premiere this year, because it didn't premiere until like January, um, the seasons are only like 13 and 16 episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not a ton of uh, show out there. So premiere in January. Like, saw all of these articles about how great The 100 is, and then Dominic started watching it, and was like, hey, this show's actually really great, and I was like, all right, I'll, I'm going to give it another chance. Um, and then, I, so, like, after about six episodes or so, like, the show really finds its footing, and it becomes, like, this whole other thing. Um, the show, it's not kind to its characters. It kills, like, everyone. <laughs> like, like The Walking Dead, then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the the show's called The 100. The premise is that... Um, takes place a couple hundred years in Earth's future after sort of a nuclear war has ravaged, you know, mm-hmm. the entire world and everything was unli- unlivable because of radiation. Uh, a group of humans went out into space and have been living in a space station for the past, like, 97 years. And uh, this space station starting to break down. Oxygen, you know, isn't working as well. Like, they're running out of food. Uh, so they have to make some tough decisions and they decide that they're going to take these hundred uh, criminals uh, who are all gorgeous people because it's a CW show <laughs> and they only cast Abercrombie models and they're all under the age of, like all the characters are like 18 and under. Um, they send these hundred criminals down to earth to find out if it's livable or not. Um, and there, that there's actually a reason why they're all eight. Like, it's a, it's a really, you know, tough society to live in because everything's, you know, based... Like, they have very limited resources, mm-hmm. so they don't really, uh, you know... If you if you commit a capital offense, like any kind of crime, you're just sent out in airlock, basically. Mm. Um, because, you know, you're taking oxygen from people or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. You're, 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 in, you're endangering the human race, literally. Uh, but these, these hundred people, they were all minors when they committed their crimes... Okay. So they basically just get locked up for until like they're eighteen. I don't mm-hmm. know. If they, I don't remember if they're supposed to like get killed when they're eighteen. I, I don't know. They all get sent to Earth though <laughs> to find out uh, if it's livable mm-hmm. because the the space station wasn't going to be able to support enough people. They they were going to have to start like, you know, just like lottery kind of system. Basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like people were going to start dying either way. So they figured, hey, let's take these criminals off our plates. These gorgeous, gorgeous criminals. <laughs> <laughs> send them to Earth. Uh, so they go to Earth, and it's, uh, obviously, it's livable. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the show's called hun- The 100 because it's 100 people sent to Earth. The second season premiere is called The 48, because that's how many are left. <laughs> Ooh, it is not um, kind. <laughs> yeah, it's not kind to people. And in the first episode, they find out that they're not the only ones here. Some people did survive the nuclear, you know, apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are not alone, um... So there are these, uh, they call them the grounders, the people that, you know, actually lived on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Do you have any you strange know, mutations? Uh, some of them, yeah. yeah. Like, there are people with, like, you know, crazy disfigurements because of all of the radiation and stuff. 
Um, but yeah, so they find out they're not alone, and uh, chaos ensues. Uh, the show nowadays is completely unrecognizable from like those early episodes. Like if you told someone who watched the the pilot the plot of the latest episode, nothing would make sense. <laughs> it's insanity. Um, uh, the show stars uh, Eliza Taylor. Tyler? I don't know. I think she's Australian, so she pronounces it weird. But it looks like the word Taylor. Uh, Henry Ian Cusack uh, from Lost fame. Uh, Desmond himself. Yep. Desmond Hume. Uh, is, you know, on another show about people trying to <laughs> live. I mean, the show, I think even it either uh, films in Hawaii or, or uh, New Zealand. I can't remember okay. which. Uh, so it looks great. Everything's outdoors for the most part. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, you can tell that they're not filming, like, in Vancouver somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, Isaiah Washington are really the only names, or I didn't, and I hadn't even heard Eliza Tyler's name, but those are the only two names that I'd ever really heard: Henry mm-hmm. Cusick and Isaiah Washington. Um, but yeah, you you never know what's going to happen next on the show. Like even the the last couple episodes, like I couldn't have predicted where the season was going to go five episodes ago. <laughs> like it's so crazy the stuff that's going on. Um, but they do it in a way that feels like, completely organic uh-huh. and the way that like it feels like everything has been plotted out way in advance. So all of these crazy twists and turns that the show is taking make perfect sense within the context of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know some really cool uh, world building. I really love what they've been doing with uh, a couple of like the reveals of what's been going on with the grounders. They've they set up this religion uh, for them that I really that I didn't like at all. Like at the beginning, it just seemed kind of dumb and maybe a little bit primitive or whatever mm-hmm. um but they've had some reveals as, uh in the past you know four episodes or so which is like oh this is so cool now and the why <laughs> and why they believe what they believe mm-hmm. and it, like it makes so much more sense now that they've uh fledged it out um yeah you brought up the walking dead i think the walking dead is kinder to its characters than this show really is. okay <laughs> like this show <laughs> makes the the care it just puts them through the most brutal things uh, uh, there, there was a line from the, the episode this past Thursday uh, where one of the, the characters asks another one of the characters, what do you do when you realize you might not be the good guy? Mm. And the response is, maybe there are no good guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. like, there's just, the whole show is full of gray areas mm-hmm. um, or not even as light as gray. Like, the your protagonist, the you know, people you're supposed to be rooting for do horrible, horrible things to other people uh but everyone has like such clear motivations in the show Mm -hmm. that when bad guys are doing bad things or when good guys are doing bad things it always makes sense um i know exactly what even if i don't agree with why they're doing it or even if it might be a little bit stretched a bit bit of a stretch that a character got from point a to point b so quickly i always know why everyone's doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. um which is you know which makes the best villains like if you understand why the villains are acting the way they are and they just have you know maybe right. a different philosophy than your protagonists um or you know if you, you if you watch the whole show just from the other perspective they they could be the good guys and the people you're watching you know that you're following every week mm-hmm. could be the bad guys um it's just it's really really impressive the way this show has so uh, is, it, is it just two seasons uh they're in the middle of a third season oh, right now so season. the first two seasons are on netflix and they're only like and, 13 episodes a piece uh, 13 episodes in the first season 16 episodes in the second season and i think this third season is also going to have 16 episodes okay i think we have like maybe four left okay because there's only four people left so. yeah <laughs> yeah one episode for each remaining person the the last two episodes have been somehow the best two 
like horror shows I've ever seen on TV. Huh. And this isn't a horror series, yeah. but they've managed to make these two phenomenal like horror episodes. Cool. Uh, the the episode like two episodes ago, like has basically a straight up exorcism, but it doesn't involve a demon. It's, it involves something that's something else. Okay, like the. You know, but the like one of the characters gets to go like full Linda Blair, like tied to a bed, basically <laughs> like you know yelling at characters and telling mm-hmm. them you know, you know using all of their deep dark seated stuff that they know to just mm-hmm. really unnerve everything. Um, it's you know it's a it's a better exorcism scene than in a lot of scary movies I've seen recently, and this is on you know a a, a channel that five years ago most people dismissed as being just completely superfluous. Right. Uh, and the last episode uh, is, like, one of the best, like, slasher sort of, like, people in an enclosed space with something trying to kill them mm-hmm, uh-huh. that I've ever seen on TV. Huh. It's incredibly impressive. Um, I can't, like, I can't, you know, say more nice things about this show, aside from the first couple episodes. <laughs> uh, so so yeah. it takes a while to get into it, then. I mean, not even that long. Like, okay. in you know, by the third or fourth episode, you realize, oh, uh, no one's safe on this show. These characters that you think would have been around for the entire series are just killed, like, almost immediately. <clears throat> like, it's really crazy. So did you say, I don't know if you said, the, the, are the first two episodes out there somewhere? Like the first the two seasons are on Netflix. Netflix, okay. And season three will be on Netflix next fall yeah, okay. so. Um, and have, have they picked it up for season four? Yeah, yeah every CW show was renewed this oh, year. Wow. They didn't cancel okay. anything, so they're just like new seasons for everyone. They wow. totally they Oprahed the entirety of the CW. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you yeah. get a new episode, and you get a new season. Yeah, so I'm just excited to see where this goes next because I, I don't even know. Like maybe they'll be on Mars next season, and they'll make it believable. I have no idea. Like it's uh-huh. so crazy what's going on in this show. Um, and I'm just, I'm just along for the ride at this point. Um, but yeah, it went from being terrible to incredible, which is the opposite of, of what I'll talk about next. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, after this short break, we're going to get into our dislikes. <laughs> I was clean, a patron. I was young and an actress. When you knelt by my mattress and asked for my hand, but I was sad. You asked if, as I laid in a black dress with my father in a casket, I had no plans. All right, so that was a little taste of uh, the Lumineers. That was their title track from their new album called Cleopatra, which has a really cool story. Uh, it's where the, the lead singer was in a cab in the Republic of Georgia, and this cab driver was telling him this story, and um, and it was kind of a tragic story, but telling it with no sense of, you know, not really much emotion or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so then the lead singer says, I'm going to write a song about that. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's Cleopatra by the Lumineers. So we're going to get into our dislikes now, and we'll go in reverse order like always. And so, Andrew, let's talk about something you dislike. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, The 100 is a show that went from terrible to amazing. Now I'm going to talk about a show that went from amazing to terrible. <laughs> um, and that show is Sleepy Hollow. Ah. <laughs> so, also, I want you guys to think about, while I'm talking about this, uh, the show that you liked the most that went to the worst place, like... Just the one that flipped the most for you. Because this might be the one that flipped the most for me out of most shows that mm-hmm. I've seen. Um, 
I read an article last night. I was, I was trying to figure out what to use uh, for this because I didn't really want to talk about this show too much because it it's just not worth talking about. Like, it's so bad at this point. Like, it just defies discussion, sort of. Uh-huh. But, like, I read an, uh, an article last night that, I'm, that I agree with and it was just titled, The Sleepy Hollow Finale Was So Terrible That I'm Still Upset Two Weeks Later. Um, <laughs> and the fact that, like... And I agree with that. Like, I'm still so angry about this show, like, that it's, I guess it is worth talking about because it is just, it's so bad. Um, I only gave it one season. Was it in third season now? Yeah. The first season is phenomenal. Yeah, the like, first season was great. It's so great. Except for, like, I kind of was disappointed by the first series finale and the reveal. And uh, and so then when I, when the second season came around, I'm like, I watched, like, maybe the first episode. I'm like, eh, this I don't know. This kind of lost me immediately. Yeah. So, so if you don't like that reveal, like there's no use watching the rest of the show. Because I, I like that. Won't. I like that reveal. As far as I'm concerned, the show had one season. It was perfect, and it ended on a nice cliffhanger. There you um, go. Is <laughs> a much better way to think about it. I wish they just canceled it. Because um, season two was pretty bad, um, and I, uh, the author of the article that wrote the um, season finale was so terrible. I'm still upset. Two weeks later, wrote another article. Uh, talking about how, despite fixing all of season two's problems, season three is worse. <laughs> um, to quote from that article, it says, It's true. Somehow, despite fixing most of season two's obvious glaring problems, Sleepy Hollow is even less fun to watch than it was last year. Whole problems that plagued the second season have been solved, uh, but it's replaced them with new problems that may be less irksome, but are so much more boring. Um, so one of the... So the the show's great. Uh, to give some background, uh, it follows, you know, Ichabod Crane as Sleepy Hollow does, uh, but this is told in modern times. So Sle- Ichabod was, you know, got Captain America for a couple hundred years. He was part of, uh, you know, Washington's army, and uh, sort of wakes up uh, in present day Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. and has to fight off the apocalypse uh, with the help of uh, Abigail Mills. Uh, a detective De- or sheriff uh, or something like that. Yeah, she's a lieutenant. Lieutenant, because, now. yeah. Uh, she because he always refers to her as lieutenant. Yes, right. Um, oh, which yeah. is adorable. <laughs> right, and and they are so great together. Like they they are, you know, one of uh, especially in season one, one of the, the they have amazing chemistry. Right. They uh, they like instantly the two characters instantly respect each other. They have this great friendship. Um, they don't try to contrive... Like, the show doesn't try to contrive all this conflict between the two of them, which would have been so easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they... No, the show just treats them as complete equals, and, like, you know, Abigail has complete respect for Ichabod. Ichabod has nothing but respect for, you know, Abby. Uh, they're great partners, and, you know, she's law enforcement, and he, you know, is sort of... Uh, knows a little bit more about the supernatural side of things, so they're off trying to fight the apocalypse in mm. Sleepy Hollow, and it's fantastic. Um, well, it was. It was. <laughs> yeah, see, you know, they, they turned the headless horseman of, you know, who was, uh, you know, big in the Sleepy Hollow story, they turned him into uh, the horseman of war, basically, and he's, you know, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. They're trying to stop this demon from starting the apocalypse. Uh, season two turned the horsemen of war and the horsemen of death into whiny, annoying, not threatening characters <laughs> by making, you know, the headless horseman basically giving him a head and making him complain a lot um, about... You we know, liked how, you so much better without your head. <laughs> yeah, about how Ichabod stole his wife. <laughs> like, it's so... So he just becomes like this whiny little non-threat, basically. Uh, 
Which is a shame because in season one he's this unstoppable right. powerhouse mm-hmm. of a character who just is completely menacing, doesn't talk because he has no head, <laughs> right. and can't be annoying. He just he just shows up and wrecks stuff. Right. Basically, he's terrifying. Uh, the the villains in seasons three don't have the privilege of actually having enough character to be called whiny or annoying. <laughs> they are nothing. <laughs> like the the threat of season three uh, starts off as being Pandora. Uh, of Pandora's box fame. Okay. Uh, not, summoning... the, not the internet, the yes, streaming not a, not music app. Music <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the threat is that she has ads and they are incredibly annoying in between your songs. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just so tired of hearing li- living social ads in the middle of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, she basically shows up and she's trying to summon, like, bring this, like, her god-husband-lover back to Earth, who is even less of a character than she is. And basically, she's gone, like, full Rita Repulsa, and is basically spends the beginning of the episode summoning some monster for our heroes to fight, and then they fight him, and then the episode ends. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insultingly bad. <laughs> um, like, it takes all of the fun out of, like, the first, like, I love Ichabod, like, as this fish out of water who, like, totally embraces uh, modern culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like, with like, they have, like, all these fun scenes where, like, in one of the first episodes, he has this gun, uh, like a modern gun, he fires a shot, and then throws the gun down and stops and starts running, and she asks him, like, why would you throw your gun? And she's like, I headshot the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's useless. Like, it has more than one bullet. <laughs> like, but guns have many bullets nowadays. Uh, and, like, there's, like, another episode starts off with uh, this conversation, like, in a car where... You know, he's giving, like, sort of uh, what sounds like a generic, you know, uh, love advice monologue. Mm-hmm. And you realize at the end of it that he's talking to the OnStar operator, like, <laughs> in this car. And it's amazing. And she's and she, weeping. And she's and... crying. And he's like, well, thank you for unlocking the car, nice OnStar lady. Um, but yeah, there, like, there's an episode, like, you know, he gets into video games um, stuff like that. There's an episode where uh, they try to dress him in like normal apparel, uh, like normal like modern day clothes, mm-hmm. and he calls. Uh, <laughs> he says that uh, one sign of the impending po- apocalypse is surely skinny jeans. <laughs> <laughs> like it's fantastic, and all of this stuff is gone by the end of season three. Like they completely wreck the relationship between Ichabod and mm-hmm. Abby. Uh, like it's it's literally like irreparable at this mm-hmm. point. Like. They've just made so many wrong turns. Uh, like, it's to the point where I don't want the show to exist anymore. <laughs> like, I don't want a season four to happen. Like, there are plenty of shows where they get kind of boring, and I just, you know, I stop watching them. Yeah. Like, I don't want them to... I don't want more episodes of the show to be in the world. Uh, you know, like, you don't have to watch it, Andrew. Oh, I'm not going to watch it. There's okay. no way I'm watching this show. Like, I'm surprised you last all the way through season He's just trying to though. save other people yeah. from it. So. Yeah, uh, okay. Season two was, what, like, wasn't as terrible. Like, it was mediocre, and like there were, it had like moments where it got good. And season three, like at the start of it, it seemed like it was going to have some of those moments, too. Like, they... For some reason, they brought Betsy Ross into the show, and, like, you have, like, cool spy ninja, like, Betsy Ross, like, fighting, like, you know, in Washington's army, and totally wasted. Mm. <laughs> like, like I would watch the, a show just about that. That sounds right. so cool. But they make it incredibly boring, and uh, just, the show's terrible. I'm not, I will not watch another episode unless I, 
you know, hear things right, but I just don't want them to exist. <laughs> right. Um, like, because I don't want, I, the show doesn't deserve to exist anymore. Has it, it's have so you heard of, have they, like, talks a... apparently are pretty decent that there's going to be a season four, mm-hmm. which baffles me because they barely got a season two. And the show has only gotten like most of the fans of the show that I've you know see online are just have completely given up on it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I want to know what you guys like if you guys have examples of you know shows that you've seen that have gone not from bad to like great to mediocre, just great to terrible. Yeah, I usually stop watching when they get yeah. really bad. I don't know if I've because like not really terrible, but like. I stopped watching the, the the Simpsons a long time ago. There's just so many episodes, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I was I was kind of kind of reached my saturation point, I think, with the, with the Simpsons, and um, I haven't watched that. But I mean, it wasn't really terrible. I just well, some of them were pretty bad when I stopped watching. There was some dark years mm-hmm. of this of the Simpsons, but that was one where I was like, okay, I think I've I've I've, uh, I've done it all. I, I need I've seen it all that I need to see of the Simpsons, so I stopped watching. I kind of enjoyed Once Upon a Time when it first started, and now there's all kinds of Disney. I mean, just it seems like a Disney just a marketing machine marketing there. machine now. Yeah, so. that's sort of how I felt about Glee. Like the first those first yeah. thirteen episodes were great, and then. Like everything beyond that seemed to be like, hey, how do we shoehorn like popular music into right. this yeah, show? Yeah, I got I so got pretty sick of that. Show. That was that ran out, ran, ran, ran out. Oh. Like, cause like so the first season was like, oh my gosh, it's kind of a revolutionary with this, with you know, with this putting this modern music and how mm-hmm. are they gonna do it all? And then it's like, okay, I got I got sick of the drama and yeah. and that. And then there's always the classic, you know. Happy Days, which actually gave you the phrase "jump the shark," so, <laughs> you know. and gave us Johnny Loves Chachi. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, can you do you know exactly when this show jumped the shark? Uh, the season two. Like yeah, season two. season two. Yeah, I mean, it definitely started to fall out. That like, <clears throat> I mean, it completely jumped the shark in the finale. Like the show, I can't imagine will be even watchable like mm, yeah. in season four. Like everything. Like it's it's just killed off and everything that was good about the show at this point, um, like so. I, mean, I don't there, even... there was actually it was even was some 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 episodes um, like of Lost. The first few episodes of season three of Lost were like kind of rough to get through. Oh yeah, um, but that certainly picked up. Um, well, and then they restructured the way the show worked. And it yeah, was, it was the first show that I remember that did the whole. Because part of the problem with Lost was. Like, you know, you'd have two or three episodes, and then would go away for, like, four weeks or whatever. Right. Yeah. It was the first show I can remember that did, like, the big, uh, like, the a mid-season finale. They like, would do a couple bunch of episodes in a row, have a finale, like, a mid-season finale. Right. So they could structure, like, a six-episode arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they would do, uh, like, the whole, you know, have an eight-week break right. or 12-week break. and Which... I mean, going back to <clears throat> to that with you know with with most television that has like especially in America it has like twenty two or twenty three episodes a season that's like really long. I like, I mean that's I like Netflix model of like you know ten to thirteen episodes. Yeah. Um, you know, like yeah. the CW with with, the, with you're getting a lot and they're able to invest more in the in the in a shorter season um, when they're not trying to stretch it out into twenty two because that sometimes that gets. It gets kind of wearying. It's like, okay, when are we, when are we going to wrap this up? And yeah, sleepy hollow, short seasons. It's <laughs> like thirteen to like sixteen episodes, and that's so still not, like, still like, it doesn't always work. Right. It's always work. <laughs> right. uh, but no, I, I also prefer that. Like you get like a much, you know, a much more streamlined plot. plot. Um, yeah. Except for you know, even even when twenty four did the twelve episode season, 
Like, they got to, you know, ditch a lot of the tropes that they had always had to use to make, right. you know, to bring shows into, you know, uh, for 24 whole episodes. Like, there's way less moles in that one <laughs> in that last season. Yeah, <clears throat> so I, I think that, that I wish, you know... And I, I don't know if, if American, like, you know, network television is going to go kind of restructured that way because, I mean, because we've talked about this before on the podcast where, I mean, Netflix is making some quality shows and now Amazon um, Prime is getting into the original thing and, and they're still, I don't I think they're quite at the level of, of, of Netflix as far as even popularity, but... But um, some of the, you know some of the cable networks have like their ten season thirteen season arcs and, and yeah FX usually has thirteen episodes yeah so, so and HBO has always had a fairly short season right so they're they're able to you know okay if they <clears> give <throat> us some episodes and they take a break for a while and you know sometimes it's kind of frustrating to to wait so long but but at least that gives you some anticipation well I can't wait till this, this show comes back and and um, but then especially with HBO and stuff like that where they're just they're introducing new series mm-hmm. throughout the year they don't have to worry about like this. The classic television series where you know starts in September and then, you, you know, you get muddled in the, in the holidays yeah. and then you you know finish up in in April May they they don't have to worry about that um, and so I don't know if, if American television American network television is going to try to ever try to restructure their the way they do things I mean they've kind of done a little bit with like like Agent Carter was like a mid season replacement where they had this like you know that's a short what eight episodes or something like that yeah same they, with Gallivant. Right, well, they will stick it in and, and able to and able to do that. Now, I I hope they they start doing that, uh, with with more shows where there's let's let's get the season, you know, do like six or eight episodes, have a mid season finale, and then you know replace it with some other show that you get kind of missed, and then then oh we're back to this. And so, I think that maybe um, American Network Television might be changing the way they they, they structure and film things. So, I hope so. Yeah. But even even some shows with only thirteen episodes still aren't worth watching. Yeah, like Sleepy Hollow, never watch it. That's the first season. It's right. Not worth it. Never gets better. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that public service announcement, Andrew. Yeah, doing God's work here. Yeah. All right. I actually have a real dislike this week. I know the last time I kind of phoned it in. I think personally on my dislike. So this this time, I was actually you know watching watching something and you know like that just didn't sit right with me. So. Um, it's actually about a. a it kind of sounds kind of weird, but it's not it's a, these um, commercials, these television commercials. They're, they're, they've kind of like made several different iterations of the original commercial, and they're, they're kind of continuing the story. Mm-hmm. But I have some problems with it, and um, and and it was started as as a Super Bowl commercial. So most of us have probably seen the original one. That was the Toyota Prius Four commercial, mm-hmm. where the um, you know the actors f- from The Wire. Is that it when they get in the car together? Yeah. Are they all from the wire? Yeah, although they all play a family in the wire. Oh, okay. Um, See, I didn't know that. It was a little background. I didn't know that. But, but it, so it starts off with these, 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 these bank robbers come out and their car is being towed away. Their getaway car is being towed away. And the guy's like, well, I know someone should stay with it. And so they're like searching for a car and they come across a Toyota Prius. And then they're, they're leading the police on a chase right. and, and, and and they're out. They're eluding the police in the Prius, which is a setup. Which is a pretty good commercial. That's a that's that's sharp. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's witty. You know, who would have thunk it? And they even talk about that in the commercial. Like the police, uh, you know, the dispatch is like, "How hard is it to catch a Prius?" And the guys and the police officer's like, "It's surprisingly fast." And so, but then it kind of like goes a little bit too far. And and you know, in, in this thing that 
Which is another kind of thing is kind of funny is that you know the, the Prius keeps going and going and going and all the police cars are running out of gas mm-hmm. and the, and then that one part where they're like sneaking past um, the the police officers in this roadblock at late at night and because the Prius is so quiet. I mean that's kind of funny. But then you, it takes this weird turn where like the public starts getting behind them mm-hmm. and 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 having this um, you know rooting for the criminals and <laughs> and. You know, like, uh, they've captured America's hearts, and, and I'm like, okay, so that, that <laughs> to me, they, I mean, like, all right, you lost me there. It's like, they're not, like, revolutionaries or freedom <clears throat> fighters. They're bank robbers, you know, they're criminals, and the fact that they're looting the police. Um, and so they've, the, the second, um, kind of like the second iteration of the commercial was kind of funny because they're like, well, how are we going to catch this Prius? Well, we'll make our own highway patrolman and then right. highway patrol car. And they made it out of a Prius. And so then that guys are like, Ooh, what's that behind us? All right. That's pretty funny. But then this, this latest commercial is like really kind of, I don't know, leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. Maybe I'm thinking, overthinking it. <laughs> it's just a commercial. You might be overthinking it. But, but it, the fact is that it's like all these people show up in their red Toyota Priuses and they're leading the police on a chase so that the bank robbers can get away. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's the newest one. It's like yeah, I've seen that. And it's like, why, <laughs> why does Toyota think that it's the Sabadkas from the Wire? I, I know, but they're still criminals. It's they like, were criminals on the Wire too. I know. Well, I didn't watch the Wire, and, uh, and 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 I know that you know sometimes the antihero, but but it's like it's like why I don't understand why the public would get so behind even these guys. These bank robbers, and in fact, that they're going to try to get in the way of a police officer, you know, trying to catch mm-hmm. these. It's not like they've they've stolen from the man, or right? they're they're bank robbers. They actually stole from the people, you know. <laughs> that was their that was their money in the bank, and, and these people just ripped them yeah. off. And so what insurance is for. <laughs> yeah, FDIC. Well, still yeah. we're still paying for that. Yeah, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars when you go to the thing. <laughs> but where does that money come from? Where's it all comes from us? And so it's like these people are not. I don't know. So so I'm like sitting there going. I don't get Toyota's the, the the marketing geniuses behind this, because for me I'm like, especially nowadays when you know there is so much tension between police yeah. the police and the public, it's like we have this commercial where the, the the criminals are getting away from the police and with the help of just ordinary people uh-huh. and you know I could see if 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 they were doing something you know like there are freedom fighters or some good cause but all they are 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 bank robbers. Bank robbers yeah. So that's just my dislike. I'm just like, this just sits wrong with me. So, this commercial. so I'm hearing from you that season, season one of the Prius commercial is good. <laughs> season two is okay. And season three is terrible. Well, season one has a good setup, but then they lost me at the end of season one with this Prius, Prius commercial when they're like, you know, the, they've captured America's hearts. I'm like, really? Um, and it's like, Toyota Prius owners are proud. that I'm like, why are you proud? Yeah, I, okay, I, I know... Toyota, you like Toyotas. I just bought a Toyota. I like Toyotas also. But if you know, if someone stole my Toyota and, and robbed a bank with it, I wouldn't be going. I'm sure proud of you because you've got my Toyota. <laughs> Good choice, buddy. <laughs> I really liked it too. Now I don't have it anymore. Wah, wah, wah. You know, I'm just, I'm like, yeah. These people, you know, are, are are bank robbers. So, so maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I should yeah. just get it. I, I think it makes a little bit more sense once once you know the wire connection. Um, because right. yeah, I think I think it's more more meant to you know portray the the fans of the commercial seeing the Sabatka's back together that 
they're the ones sort of rallying around the idea. Of, like, okay. It totally does not work if you don't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. And so for me, I'm like sitting there going, yeah. yeah, you're like, hey, it's it's Nick and Ziggy and Frank. I, mean, I, I recognize <laughs> like, the, the actors. I've seen them in, in lots of things before, so... Yeah. Um, but so I I didn't I didn't get the the wire yeah, thing. But still, the, that's I don't the Spotka family from the wire. <laughs> okay. Um, so Maybe I yeah, need to it, go it back works, and watch works, all like, eight seasons or something like that of the wire. Five, five seasons. Five seasons. Yeah. That it? And they're short. Yeah. Four seasons. That's that's one of the one of the shows that yeah. the blind spot for me that everyone says, oh my gosh, the wire so yeah. good. It, it like, was yeah. a blind spot for me until recently. It is phenomenal. And probably um, it's probably yeah. Is. They they are uh, in season two. But it's probably not really like it's not like light watching, right? No, it is very. <laughs> it's pretty heavy. It, it will make you not want to live near Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, Clover Maryland is really close to Baltimore. Yeah, it, <laughs> what are we gonna do now? Yeah, and then yeah, and then you've got uh, um, uh, Aiden Gillen. We were talking about last week. Yeah, uh, plays Carcetti uh, on The Wire. It's phenomenal. Idris Elba, yeah, like, phenomenal actors on there. Like everyone's gone on to do. Yeah, some pretty awesome mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, if you tried to cast the same people in The Wire nowadays, it would be craziness. <laughs> um, but yeah, phenomenal show. And makes the makes you like Priuses more. <laughs> I guess. Uh, for for me, that the commercial the the KFC commercials nowadays where they just have random SNL actors playing the colonel. Right. Um, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> or um, Jim Gaffigan is now the colonel, so yeah, yeah, like why they have that's these a, famous comedians playing the colonel. Right. That's another bizarre marketing thing that yeah. I'm not like really behind either. Um, it has made me not want to eat KFC. Or maybe I don't eat there because the, the food is, like, really bad for you? I don't know. Yeah, man, I prefer Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be spicy chicken any day. All right. Well, that's my right. dislike. All right. The Bring us home, Russ. Well, you uh, you alluded to, <clears throat> you know, great artists dying um, recently. And, and this came across my Facebook. I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but uh, William Shakespeare is dead at 52. <laughs> he died in... Still? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 18, 17, 16? 16, 16. Um, so it's recent so news. Okay. <laughs> Again, in my human, in my human history. <laughs> yeah. He's just going back in time. We went I from am, silent but... movie to... Um... To be or not to be, said Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. That is the question. Well, yesterday Hamlet's creator was. Today he is not. <laughs> <laughs> of that, there is no question. So I'm just sad that all these artists have to die. <laughs> including <laughs> Shakespeare. Including Will Shakespeare. <laughs> Uh, before his time. <laughs> yes, before his time. But anyway, he I really had nothing, no dislike this week. So <laughs> that came across Facebook. Yeah. I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we can all agree that wait, the 2016 has been rough. On yeah, it has been rough. Did you, <laughs> did you see somebody yeah, Russ posted? doesn't like 2016. I don't like 2016. Somebody posted, is it George R. R. Martin the author of 2016? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the, the oatmeal tweeted that at one point. Yeah, yeah. Which that was the first one. And then other people have, have, have were kind of jumped on that train, and but then like yeah. I think oatmeal was the first one to put it, and so we were like, yeah, they're stealing my joke. I'm like, no, actually, they, they posted yeah. that first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, why, that's why the Winds of Winter hasn't come out. He's been so busy. Yeah. <laughs> Killing um, off people in 2016. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, really? I, I, I would not have expected uh, William Shakespeare, you know, death posts yeah. in this year. <laughs> Huge twist. <laughs> Way to go, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> not to be confused with George R. George Martin. That's right. <laughs> we we talked about that. <laughs> He's dead also. He's dead also. Maybe George R. R. Martin killed <laughs> George Martin George because Martin. there could only be one. Yeah. <laughs> there could be only one. Yeah. And he highlandered him. He highlandered him. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, well, thank you for tuning in to Episode 7 of the Pumping Irony Podcast. Um, you can subscribe at iTunes. Uh, you can go to our website, PumpingIronyPodcast.com. Listen there. Leave comments. Rate us. Interact. Go to our Facebook page. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you dislike. Let us know how we're doing. Um, and uh, and uh, we, so we can interact with you guys, and maybe we'll read your comments on the next podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. Once again, I'm Tim. I'm Russ. And I'm Andrew. And we're out.